So welcome everyone. Um, we're going to try a few new things this week, so let us know if it works and if it doesn't. But um, starting off this week with some hip-hop news, Vince Staples has released his long-awaited self-titled album. It's his first album on Motown since leaving Def Jam. It's very, very good. Everyone should listen to Vince Staples, so I recommend checking it out. There's also a brand new track from IDK, and that features J Electronica, MF Doom, and uh, West Side Gun. Fantastic track. I've seen a lot of people talking about it online saying that maybe MF Doom's part should be bigger, but um, I think it's always just good to hear some MF Doom, so check that out if you get a chance. Because we didn't want to turn into a low-key fan pod, um, we won't be covering like We might talk about some theories at the end um, as the finales next week, but in fact, we are going to cover another Marvel property. Patrick and I have both seen Black Widow. Um, we have thoughts. So, Patrick, as always, I'm going to let you kick it off. Uh, yeah, I thought it was all right like it wasn't great um like it wasn't like it wasn't like i i i had my mind blown by the high quality um i think that like when we talked about it before one of the things that we both came up with was like the accents are bad like and and i know that that sounds like a minor point but like when you're watching a whole film i was gonna say 90 percent of this film is accents so <laughs> yeah like and and like and it's really noticeable that florence pugh's accent is spot on david harbour's is good enough and then rachel vice and ray winston's accents are bad like ray winston just like rachel vice sounds like she just gives up halfway through and ray winston sounds like he's never even heard russian people (laughs) like like, like, he's got no real like like he's got no frame of reference like maybe his his reference for russian people is like a bond movie And he can only remember those five phrases that that character said. So that's all he's got to work with. Well, I wondered if maybe that was lampshading the fact that like Marvel films always end with something in the sky exploding. Do you know what I mean? Because like, see, you've just you've hit you've you've hit on like one of the many problems I have, which is we all know these formulas by now. And I just think if there's any film that they could have really kind of broken free of those tropes, it was this because we all knew. Well, I guess pre-COVID, we all knew this was going to be a success anyway because she's a proven character. Um, but it ends with a form of a helicarrier. And like, I mean, there was just, we were talking about this before, but they're such a talented cast and these guys have all proved themselves in dramatic roles. And there were so many scenes that whenever it got close to kind of some depth or some character development, it was either the cheesy score would get really high in the mix or someone would crack a joke. Yeah. And I don't want to ruin the pre... I mean, maybe what we'll do is we'll, we'll split this into... Uh, spoiler and non-spoiler so for now for this non-spoiler section of the review um, there is a post-credits scene that shouldn't be a spoiler for anyone I would say it it starts off in a very dramatic tone and then cue the Marvel joke that comes out of nowhere and it's just like just commit if you're going to commit to being this dark action espionage thriller commit to that you know I I don't need quips at every other line of dialogue well, yeah, and like the first, like the first half has a lot in common with like a Bourne movie or like a Bond yeah. film, and it feels, I mean, and like, and they feel quite vulnerable, like they're getting hurt and they're having to look after themselves, and it feels like it's got kind of some stakes. Now, obviously, it hasn't really got any stakes because Black Widow isn't going to die. We yes. already know that <laughs> because it's set between Civil War and. An Infinity War, so she yeah. is going to be all right. But it at least feels a bit like 
they are dealing with consequences of physical damage and stuff yeah. and there's like there's some bits there's there's a really good chase sequence early on where there's a there's like a big truck chasing a motorbike um and it feels really like heavy and visceral and like things are getting See, smashed it's funny out because i didn't feel that at all <laughs> And I, I, I honestly, I think I don't know if it was a problem with the editing, but as you say, there's when you first see that that truck that's chasing them, it's you're supposed to kind of like jump out of your seat. I, that was the impression I got when it first emerges. It just didn't do anything for me. There was no weight, there was no gravity to that scene. Um, and I guess, like you said, like I think a big problem with this 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 film is it sets up loads of is Natasha going to be okay? Yeah, I'm thinking, pretty sure she's going to be fine. So like there was a point when the car got blown up and it flipped over, and it's like. I wonder if she's okay. It's, it just didn't... And I, I think the problem with this film is it sets up a bunch of other films I would much rather watch. So, like, the flashback to her having to be someone who had to kill... Oh, gosh. All right, let's get into spoilers. Okay. <laughs> to talk about the problems I have with this. Uh, spoilers. Um, so, everyone that hasn't seen this yet, um, if you don't want to listen to this, I will put timestamps in the description Everyone who doesn't care or has already seen this, we're getting to spoiler territory. This is your last warning for spoilers. Spoilers. So, Natasha, this is a, this is a real big problem I have with the film. We've it's been hinted at since Avengers that her and Clint, but her specifically, were kind of Shield was their redemption. Even though obviously they didn't know it's Hydra infiltrating everything, <laughs> Shield was their redemption, and these are guys who have killed a lot of people. They've done really bad things, and they'll never really kind of they'll never really be able to balance what they've done but they're trying to make steps to be a better person it's the, it's the wolverine story right yeah um and, they, and i've never felt marvel has ever committed to that you know like i think the closest they got with hawkeye is when he becomes ronin in endgame and you see him just slaughter a bunch of well you don't see him well you know you know you don't see him it's it's off screen because we can't have him actually killing a bunch of people exactly but you know at least we know he slaughtered a bunch of yakuza guys and this yeah. is today apparently he's done it to like latino gangbangers and he's just been going around the world and just killing everyone so they've committed to that but with her they've never really done it and even in this it's like okay well, what, ooh, let's actually tell you one bad thing she did she killed a little girl no she didn't yeah like it's and it's like they're so scared to have not even it's not even a gray area but like i said that it starts off potentially as a gray area but by the end of it it's not oops she didn't kill the person and the person forgives her it's like have her kill the girl have, show us something that for me it makes her hero's arc even more of a redemption but if she was always just a kind of slightly bad person who didn't want to do things, like, what's the point? Why even give her that element? It well, and also, like, as she's getting ready to kill the little girl, she's having a bit of a cry about it because she doesn't want to kill the little girl yes. because killing little girls is bad. And it's a bit like, well, you're not, like, this evil murderer, are you? Like, And it kind of implies that it's S.H.I.E.L.D. who's making her kill the little girl. Yeah. Like, which makes her... I want to redeem myself by joining S.H.I.E.L.D. All right, well, the initiation for joining S.H.I.E.L.D. is murdering children. It's, it's a bit like, okay, cool. Well, I mean, what made you think that this was going to make you a better person? Like, that's... Right, yeah. I'll tell you another thing as well that, like, it's a little me being a little nitpicky dick. But the beginning is this montage um, of black widows all over the world destabilizing governments and taking out politicians and messing with the status quo which is fine you know it makes sense that's why you would create an organization like this however a lot of the footage seems to be archival from like the point when she was a child which is the early 90s or something like that so my question is 
why does she, when you first hear the Winter Soldier, why is she so mystified by him and, and believes that he's like this old wives' tale and she can't believe it's actually true? Because it's like, if that's true, then you've been part of an organisation that's been doing this for decades. Why would he be such a weird... Well, doesn't she... <laughs> she's encountered the Winter Soldier before, I think, hasn't she? Because he shot her through somebody. She shot. He shot through her to kill somebody. Yeah, but I think she but, yeah, says... She... She doesn't even really fully believe everything she was told by him. She thinks it's been like kind of mystified yeah. and it's become this, you know, overblown. this whispers thing. But yeah, overblown things like, but no, you guys have been doing that apparently. So that's some retconning for me that didn't really work. And I get why they've had to do it. Obviously, it kind of it solidifies the villain's plan, but it's like it contradicts everything you said about Hydra having to have this one man soldier who's already doing that. Well, it was a bit like Yelena. It was a bit like a retcon the movie. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, <laughs> like Yelena. Like, I feel like when they introduce her later on, if they've had one scene where they were all like, "Oh, actually, I'm, I'm like with his little sister," um, it would have been like, "Oh, well, that's a really lazy retcon." But then yeah. the whole movie is just like it feels like. It really feels to me like they've got to the start of phase four and they've been all like, we killed off all the all the main Marvel characters and now other characters need to like step up into yes. the main roles. And like they've done a series of Captain America's supporting cast. And yeah. they've kind of done a series, Loki's kind of a series of Thor like will be Iron Man's supporting cast, getting their own film and stepping up into the main roles. But yeah. it looks like they've sat down and gone, oh shit, Black Widow hasn't got a supporting cast. Like she hasn't mm-hmm. got like she hasn't got anybody who's like her character who she associates with. The only yeah. relationship she's really had are with Hulk and and Clint. And so now they're like, well, we need more characters to add in later. And so like maybe she had a family and maybe she had like you know all this. And then at the end, yeah, but fly off like <laughs> <laughs> like. So, like, they're going to the vault for, for later Marvel projects. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Well, I mean, it's because it's obviously that, that post-credits, that's obviously setting up Thunderbolts, um, I, which I think if they handle properly could be great. Um, I don't know. But yeah, like you said, it just felt like, I mean, we all know the cynics in us, if we're honest about it, like a lot of these films are just setups for other potential franchises down the road. Yeah, but you want to not be thinking about that while you watch it, right? Like... Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there was... I'm trying. To, we we try not to be negative. Um, I know stuff. <laughs> there is stuff in this to like, but I just overwhelmingly. I mean, I don't know if this if you noticed this as well, but I thought some of the CG was really poor. I thought bits of the CG were kind of poor, like, but there was some. There was some. There was some green screen there, like yeah, there, um, there's there's several moments where people jump like out of windows just before an explosion goes off, and it's like. I could have done that. There was That's a bit where, really like first year stuff. There was a bit where Yelena was shoving a stick in an engine, and like it was, it was the worst compositing I've seen in a, in a Hollywood movie. When 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 like, it blows up and she flies in yeah, the air, like that looked that it, was really bad. It looked that was really bad. It was kind of like PS3 cutscene quality this CG. This is my thing, and what's crazy is that I I was watching the credits, and there were five studios responsible <laughs> for the special effects. Five, and two of them, ILM and Weta are two of the best in the business, have been for decades. So I don't know how big either one of their involvement was in this film. Well, actually, but... I can give you a little bit of uh, inside insight there. So I know somebody who works at, uh, worked at Waiter, uh, and he said that there's a very big difference that, like, when they do a Christopher Nolan film, they've mm. often got, like, a year. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they mm. will and, and they will do the, their work, and then they'll send it to him, and then it will come back, and they'll be like... 
no, change minorly change this. This bit doesn't look good enough. Whereas with a lot yeah. of the Marvel films, they get like three months and they do yes. one pass on it and they send it to Marvel and Marvel are all like, cool, that'll do. And then it's <laughs> yeah. just and then and then that's just it. So like I think that there's like not all not all waiter special effects budgets are kind of created equal and there's a level there at which I think that like you need to be invested in having a long-term relationship with the CG studio, which yeah. Marvel, like, and I think that the difficulty is that they don't need to. Like, the numbers on Black Widow look really good. A lot of people have gone to see it at the cinema. And realistically, they are in a bit of a kind of a FIFA position where they can just put some yes. out every year and people well, can pay funny, for it. because you, you talking about the visual effects makes me think it, it also it ties into the action. And it, this has been a criticism of Marvel for a long time from a lot of people, which is that they don't know how to direct action. And, you know, there's, 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 there's this big myth. Um, and I think John Wick really started this in the public consciousness. But a lot of people are like, um, oh, if you watch Asian films, they don't edit at all. And it's like, there's become this weird myth where they, Asian films will have 10 minute long scenes with no cuts. And that's yeah. not true. If you look at Jack, Jackie Chan's films, his editors and his directors edit like crazy. The difference is... Jackie Chan, his stunt team, the directors and the editors know how to edit action. Yeah. Right. So if there is a punch that's thrown, they'll usually edit to the actual punch landing. It's a pacing thing. It's almost like a musical sense of how to direct these things. That's one thing Marvel doesn't have. The second thing is obviously, as we know, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Samuel Hung, all these legends know how to fight. Yeah. And, you know, John Wick, which is, you know, I said, like, that's had the, got the conversation going again as we all famously know now from the documentaries and the behind the scenes, Keanu Reeves is incredible. He will take, and this, this goes back to what you said, he'll take six to seven months just to train. He'll yeah. learn how to become proficient with firearms. He'll learn how to do hand-to-hand -hand combat. He'll have the best people train him. When you're a studio that's trying to crank out a new film every six months or so, you don't have the time to do that. No. And sometimes, as we've seen, like there was a funny interview where Gwyneth Paltrow uh, said she forgot that she was in Spider-Man. And it's like, People say, "How can you forget that?" It's like, well, she f probably filmed four Avengers films at the same time. Yeah, and this is the this is the thing they're they're workshopping all these things, trying to get them out as quick as possible. So Scarlett Johansson, who I mean, if you look at the behind the scenes from from Iron Man two, she was more than willing to get on board. And I think actually one of the big complaints she's had is she signed up to the franchise thinking she was going to get to do loads of action stuff. Yeah. And obviously you'd see half of that first film was just her being hot and they don't let her do stuff. So the stars are more than willing. And if you look at Chris Evans, look at, you know, he's in incredible physical shape. But if, you know, if you're not given that time to train, what did they end up doing? They just slap you in a bunch of scenes with stuntmen. And so you get this horrible editor. Like the first scene with the sisters fight, that's a horrible scene. I didn't know what the hell was going on for half of it. It's shaky cam, bad angles. Yeah. And it, it's just sloppy. Well, and I think that like there were, because there were some scenes in this where the action, where I could really see what was happening. Do you know what I mean? Like where I could really track where the people were. Like there was a scene where she was dangling from the bottom of a helicopter. And it was mm. actually kind of impressive that despite the fact she was dangling from the bottom of a helicopter and the helicopter was like repositioning itself repeatedly and like, it, I still could keep track of where they were because they had a clear visual link in the middle because Red Guardian was standing on this long, thin piece of metal that went a certain way. So they could orient you to that from the shots from the helicopter. And there was an avalanche coming, so it, they could also frame the shots so you could see 
you which direction it was coming from, which told you where they were. And like they yeah. kind of they circled round him on a piece of metal with Scarlett Johansson dangling from the bottom of a helicopter. And I could tell where they were. And like and that's in stark contrast to, like you say, some of the fight scenes where there's just like people. People like like it gets like especially in the in the ending sequence on the flying thing in the sky, it got a little yeah. bit Transformers. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. there's just like yeah. stuff well, it's all funny over the screen. The, the thing that went through my head was Fast and Furious because there was a point when they're in free fall and they're having a fight in free fall, and one character slides across a mirror, and it's like okay. There is suspension of disbelief, and then there is an adult sliding on a mirror and drawing a sword out from their back at the same time yeah. in midair. You I know? mean, I've got to say, I thought that shot of her sliding down the mirror and drawing a sword was awesome. Like, I thought it was, oh, it was a badass. Great it was shot. incredible. Like, <laughs> it was um, incredible. Yeah, so, so I suppose maybe, but yeah, like I think that it's like when I think back on, so like it's like you say about time as well. Like, so with the Matrix when they uh, they hired the person who was doing the choreography, he didn't want to do it. And so he was all like, you're going to have to pay me this ridiculous amount because he thought he'd get him out of it. And then they were like, okay, we'll pay you okay. that much. And he was <laughs> like, all right, well, I'm going to need eight months to do the action scenes. And they were just like, sure, that's fine. And actually, like when you watch The Matrix, there's never a moment where you're not sure where somebody's standing or mm -hmm. where you're not sure who is hitting who or where you know yeah. and they have like intensely complicated scenes where yeah. one person's fighting five enemies and the camera's spinning and you still never lose track of where yeah. people i mean well, are. one one thing that's incredible about the matrix is for you know for anyone who's into film theory and you know cinematography there is a famous rule called the 180 degree rule which is that if you have two characters talking you establish the camera in certain positions so that when you switch back and forth it doesn't throw the audience off they know what's going on the Matrix actually breaks that rule during the scene where Neo was first learning Kung Fu and he's in the dojo with Morpheus. It's so well done, you don't even notice. Yeah. In fact, it enhances the experience and, it, and, and it's actually done in a thematic way because it's, it's actually showing how Neo is going from being that student to taking control of the situation. Yeah, it's 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 it's. I mean, we're going to talk about it. We will talk about it at some point because it's it's such a good film. It's the best film. Um, but I just feel like ten years into this franchise, Marvel needs to get better at this. Yeah, well, and I think that so. I think that maybe we should cover some things that we liked because you know. Yes. Like, <laughs> so I thought that the relationship between that and Yelena was really well done. It was touching and. They seemed genuinely to care about each other. I really liked that it established that little Hunger Games whistle thing that they did with each other, um, yeah. which was kind of like, and then like it established it when they were children at the start that they kind of whistled to each other to let them know where they were. And then they used it in the film to like in combat a couple of times to like signal yeah. to each other. And then in the last scene, she went to her grave and she, and she did her half of the whistle and obviously there was no response. And I thought that that through line... I was really scared for a second that there was going to be... So I was going to whistle. <laughs> I, was really, I was like, please don't ruin this Marvel. That just, <laughs> just jams a hand out of the grave. Like, and it's like ah, I'm back. I can't be stopped. Marvel handed me so much money um, <laughs> yeah, 10 more years baby black widow <laughs> 10 like, more seasons <laughs> like i thought that david harbour was good he was funny yes. like i really liked the idea of like fat washed up miserable captain america style character yeah. who like used to be the hero but now nobody cares and he's and he's just like living in the past and telling his stories and everyone's all like um i thought there was a sequence where they all had dinner together and they kind of lapsed into family 
family kind of things where she was like she was telling Scully Anson to sit up and stuff like yeah. that that was really well done like I really really enjoyed that and like there was like I think it's one of those films where it's one of the things that's frustrating is that it is full of good bits yes like, and this is the thing so so yesterday I I, I made a statement on Facebook and immediately I had loads of people going, oh my gosh, is it bad? And I was like, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just not great. And I think that's, as you said, that's the frustrating thing. If it was completely a write-off, it'd be like, whatever. But it angers me more that there's so much potential in there. Like, this this cast is unbelievably talented. There's so, like, she's such a cool character. There's so much so you can do with cool. her. And like... Then there's bits of it where she's like, like I really appreciated um, Luke from The Handmaid's Tale, isn't it? And he is like her buddy, who she calls when she needs some shit. She's like, I need a passport. I need somewhere to stay. And like, I really like the idea that because she's always been kind of like, it's always implied that she's really good at like going off the grid. But like, yeah. how do you do that? And the answer exactly. is that she's got this kind of guy who who is like an underground illegal contractor who she pays to kind of help her out of these situations. And I re- and, and they, they had a really, they had a really charming relationship. He wasn't in it yeah. much, but he was good. And they, That's, he's in it maybe what for three scenes. And each one of those scenes actually has really good progression. And as you said, yeah. he's established, then you see he's trying to make a connection, but her being who she is, she can't let people in. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like, we're friends. I'm really sorry I haven't admitted that before, but I do appreciate you. And yeah, you, he's there for like 10 seconds at a time, but every time he adds something to the script and he helps her and her character progression, it was it was great, you know. Well, also it really reinforces at the end when she acknowledges him as a friend, it really reinforces the journey she's been on over the film in yes. terms of accepting her family and the love. And like that stuff, like it was so tight. Like it was so like, it was so neat the way that they cut it together. And I was a bit like, like this is like it felt like like in the early Marvel films in Iron Man, there's nothing wasted because they've clearly gone over the script a hundred times mm-hmm. and gone a- anything extraneous needs to be cut, anything that's not telling our story needs to be needs to be like sliced out of here. There's um there's a so like kind of tying into what we're about here, but like for people who know Ghostface Killer of the Wu Tang Clan, he is a massive. Most of the Wu Tang Clan are massive Marvel fans. And his alter ego is Tony Stark's. And when they made the first film, he was invited by Favreau to have a cameo. And it's a it's a fun cameo. It's really great. Basically, I think Favreau just told him and uh, Downey Jr. to riff. In fact, most of the first Iron Man is ad-libbed. Yeah. Um, but that scene in particular, they hang out at the party and it's really fun. Like, you'll, you'll, you, will not be, you, you can't watch it and not be entertained. However, like you said, they played it and it's only about three minutes long. But even that, they felt, distracted from the pacing yeah and just didn't work so they cut it so it's, you can watch it on the, on the blu-ray but like you say it's a three minute segment and it, it that was enough for them to say you know what we need this to move we need this to be tighter um so yeah sorry to, to cut you off but yeah you just reminded me of that and how efficient they used to be but yeah like that and that kind of like you can feel that all over it there are sequences in this where it it doesn't feel like the script's been gone over a hundred times. There's a bit where where there's like there's all the other black widows and they like let them go and they like free them from the mind control and then they all just walk off. And they're in this thing that's like exploding and everybody's and it's and it looks like you couldn't survive in there for more than like five seconds. And they just wander off and like and and and, and it makes no effort to tell you where they've gone. And no. then they and then a little bit later they just turn up 
up in like a in like a ship thing that they've got and help somebody out and it's just like well but like where did where did they like i don't need a big long explanation but i need a sequence where somebody turns to one of them and goes there's a ship in the hangar we could go to do you yeah. know what i mean just like just a little bit of like they've thought about like and again and then that sequence has got a really bad like there's a bit where she's trying to like download some shit from the computer and she's like and she's like waiting for it to download and explosions are coming from behind her and again it's a bit like i know she's not gonna die it's like also it's- that scene you've just described that is steve trying to get the cards at the end of Winter Soldier, when yeah. the helicopter it's, I, this and this is my thing with this film. Like, there was—I don't know if you ever watched um, Red Sparrow. I've not seen that. No, it's got—it's got, it's got Jennifer Lawrence, it, hasn't it? Yes. If you've not seen it, don't watch it. It's not good. <laughs> it's two hours of your life you never get back. Visually, actually, it's—and this is my thing. I was, and this is why I'm, I'm bringing it up. Visually, because when it came out, everyone kind of said, "Ooh, Jennifer Lawrence has made the Black Widow movie before Marvel has." Yeah. Um, because it is essentially Black Widow without superpowered friends. Um, but visually from the house that she stays in to the kind of uh, her head office, which is Jennifer Lawrence's equivalent of the Red Room, there are so many things in this I've seen in other films. Yeah. Even when she first meets her sister in an apartment, that's Jason Bourne's apartment, which yeah, is absolutely. the apartment James Bond kills someone in Quantum of Solace. Like It's been done so many times and with their budget. And, and another crazy thing, towards the end of the film, you know, they do... Thank you for the council of this country, and thank you for the residents of this country. Yeah, this film, this film was filmed in about seven different places. Like off the top of my head, why Atlanta? Um, a lot of it was done in Pinewood. A lot of it done in Australia. The stuff in Morocco was done on location. Those are the ones I can remember. There's a few other places, and there's some archival footage from other countries that was shot, you know, without the cast and crew. And and it's it's like you had all these amazing locations. And it just looks like so many other films I could name. Yeah. You know, one thing I love about about John Wick is that we've all seen New York seven million times in film and television. John Wick's weird fictional New York is nothing like any depiction I've ever seen of that city. Yeah. It's weird and neon. And for some reason, every other person's an assassin. Um, but like... Sure. I mean, I, I buy that. Yeah, but this was their chance to do that. Like, take us to those places and show us the Marvel version of that. Like, I mean, as much as, you know, we rag on Captain America's not Captain America friends, you know, they traveled to places and they were weird underground things. That's what she should be dealing with. Madripoor and Falcon and the Winter Soldier felt like a place. And and also, like, as like a big X-Men comic book fan, like, it was a little moment for me where I was all like, oh, shit, like, we're going to Madripoor. Like, actually, and I thought they'd done a really good job of realizing that. Yeah, um, it was kind I of mean, cyberpunk. It's no coincidence that that episode is directed by the director of John Wick. So. Yeah, but I think that, like, in terms of going to places as well, the other thing that, like, that I wanted to talk about, it like, because it's the whole thing because it's a prequel had slight Star Wars prequel vibes to me. Like, it had the Han Solo. Why are you putting them in peril? We know they're not in peril. It had yeah. the it had the Rogue One. Um, like are we going to complete this task when we already know we're going to complete this task? But like there was the other thing that I really didn't want from this film, which it did do was I really didn't need them to explain to me what happened in Budapest. Yeah. Like I like it's like the clone wars. It's better as a thing that is hinted at. If there's any creative team or studio 
that believes in Chekhov's gun more than Marvel Studios, I have yet to see them. <laughs> they do not know how to set something up without paying it off. They don't know about mystique or intrigue. They don't know how to plant that seed and let it fester. They can't do it. It drives them crazy. It has um, to be And explained. some people would say that's efficiency, but I just think it's like, can you leave something to the imagination? Yeah, like, I don't want to know what happened in Budapest. I don't. And it's the same also, as like... Also, I think as clever as they think it is, it makes her a bit of a psychopath because if you remember the context of the original dialogue, They're always talking it was about her how much having fun. It fun. Was. <laughs> yeah, she's shooting up by Jane and going, this is just like, it's like, wait, so this is as fun as that time you murdered a young woman? <laughs> like... This is just like Budapest, isn't it, Orkai? You remember that time that we killed that small child and then had to slaughter thousands of soldiers to escape? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in Infinity War, she even looks at him again and she's like, we're not in Budapest anymore. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You murdered a child! <laughs> yeah, like, and it just, but I just don't, need it like i don't i don't know i don't want to know what happened in budapest like and that's the thing is that like there's loads of bits of this as well where they introduce kind of intriguing ideas like like the mind control like i really loved that at the end instead of doing what a lot of action films do where the villain is very dangerous but then for some reason the hero just gets a bit stronger and beats them the way that she defeated the villain was by freeing her from the mind control i thought that was really really neat it made loads of sense it tied into the stuff along the way but like yeah in terms of like they they're over explaining budapest but like the mind control plot line i felt Just like brushed over could have done a little bit more like like they're all like we've got gas that makes people mind control and then we've got gas that un mind controls people yeah, it's just like, okay, cool. And like the whole way through, they're holding on to this reverse mind control gas. Like it's really important. And they've got like 18 vials of it. And then you later just straps them to a grenade and pelts them into a crowd of people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit like, okay, cool. So I guess that you didn't, like, I guess you didn't need to be so careful with all of them. Right. Uh, also, what end, if you'd missed? Couple... What if it just went into the corner of the room, went off, and everyone just was like, "What is that?" <laughs> and then at the end, there's a couple on the floor because Nat needs to pick one up so that she can hand it to Elena for the plot purposes. And it's a bit like, you know, what it made more sense is if Elena had taken one out of the grenade bundle, like you know, eighteen yep. is probably going to do as well as twenty, isn't it? And like, there were just bits like that that were just like, like where they'd they'd come up with an idea and been all like, "Does that work? I'm sure, that works. Don't worry about it." And it's just a bit like, I mean. Like, that's a big idea. We can completely yeah. control people's minds to the point where we can force them to kill themselves. And it's I like, just like... I, I said it at the start of this. There are so many ideas in this where they would pop up and I was like, that would make for a much more entertaining film than the one we're actually watching. Yeah, it's Indiana Jones 4 syndrome. Yeah, like... I mean, it's like even the flashback, which is the opening scenes, which are amazing. Oh well my done, God, that scene's so good. They don't... They don't really establish, so did Nat have revolving families? Did she keep up this pretense with different people? And maybe Yelena's the only one she really had a connection with? Like, how does the program work? Do they, do they become other people's parents or other people's wives? Like, it's not explained. And she's already been trained at that point. So she knows she's been trained. that the family's They say it was only a three-year period. We know that's like, what, in her early teens? So what did she do between then and S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. Like, they don't explain how it works. And like... 
uh, in fairness though like Yelena was like the kid playing her was excellent and like Fantastic. I really loved the sequence where she got all angry with them at dinner because they were they all knew that it wasn't a real family but to her it was real and then uh, and then Red Guardian went and sang with her and stuff like I thought that was just yeah it was so good and like there were just bits like that where I was all like damn like this is like and every time I kind of thought to myself I'll call it's picking up. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's this is this is this is what I was here for. And like they flew up to that stupid floating thing in the sky. And I checked and I checked the time thing, and there was like 45 minutes left. And I was yeah. all like, we're not spending that whole 45 minutes on this sequence, are we? And then they did, and there was so much exploding and like And I, I've gotta I've gotta get to my biggest, biggest pet peeve for this film. Task master yeah for those that watch this film and this is their first exposure to the character i i really do apologize because he's so much cooler than this film his costume is cooler than this and his motivations are cooler than this and i'm sorry for what they did to you baby look how they massacred my boy i don't he's so much cooler than this film I, I don't like Taskmaster. Um, really? No, he's like Super Scroll. I fucking hate characters where they're all like, "Hey, you know who's you know what the the powers of this character are? It's that that other character's powers, but but two, like, like <laughs> you know, Super Scroll's like it's all the Fantastic Four in one person, yeah. and then like Taskmaster's like it, Taskmaster's Black Widow and and no, Captain see, America. See, what, and- you, what you said about what you said about the creative conclusion. When Task, uh, to, to, to her problem, how she got free of the pheromones. Yeah. When he's written properly, that's what Taskmaster prompts. Because if you're a Captain America and you just stroke your usual thing is I'm going to run in there with my shield and kick this guy's ass. If he fights exactly the way you fight, you can't do that. And so it prompts uh, a smarter response. You have yeah. to think outside of just punching stuff. So when he's written properly... That's what you get from him. And that's why I like him. I was, I was so excited because, first of all, visually, if the stars are trained properly, if you get the right stunt teams, just the visuals of two people fighting the exact same way, if it's done properly, it can just look incredible. You know, like, we all still think back to how cool the three-way fight scene in Civil War is. Like, it's because that was handled visually really well. And that's the type of thing you could do with Heartsmaster. And then, secondly, like I said, if you know, if you had the right writer it pushes that character out of their comfort zone. I can't just keep punching him. I can't just keep hitting him. I can't even go for my utility belt. He knows that I do that. But, uh, it just and then also like, the thing in the comics is, like everyone in that world, he has a superpower. That's his power. And then the, the MCU has this weird, uh, sometimes it just thinks it's too cool for comic book things. So instead of Taskmaster yeah. having that power, it's like this plant that analyzes you as you make it. It's like, just have, just have him do the powers. Just have him have the powers. Um, and also, so, you know, we're in the spoiler point. So It's like they don't want anybody to, they don't want anybody to have powers that aren't explained, do they? They don't want anybody to just have superpowers. Like that's, that's right? kind mean, of like. This is, a, this is a thing that I hate. That I don't think anyone else is bothered by, but it bothers me. It was really cool to see Spidey have uh, actual like lenses in his mask. But like for anyone who's read the comics, he just does that. It's not explained because he's in the comic book, but he can blink and wink. And I love how in the movies they felt the need. It was Stark Tech. And it's like, you know what? That guy has a giant hammer that conjures lightning from the sky. Just let his mask blink. No one cares. Just let his mask blink. Well, yeah, it's like in Deadpool, the mask moves and has like expressions. And it's just, that's just, 
the mask just moves. It's fine, isn't it? Like I, I don't, I don't need you no to. Guess. Don't, I don't, I don't need a scene where you explain how the mask can blink. I don't fucking care. Like just, yeah. just show me. But yeah, right? no, I understand that now you're going to get upset because Taskmaster isn't Taskmaster. It's the little girl that she exploded. I wouldn't even mind if I hadn't seen it coming from a million miles away. Oh, did you? I did not. Yeah. I thought it was going to be Luke from The Handmaid's Tale because I was I, all like... I, I did initially when um, they introduced the film. Yeah. Because he was the only person that didn't get a character poster. And I'm like, well, it's clearly him. And I start talking to people online. The funny thing is a lot of people online, there was a theory for a long time, it was Rachel Weisz. Especially because in the trailer, you see some of the reunion like scenes of the father and the daughters and she's not there. Yeah. So they're like, it's obviously her. And, and for a long time, she's not in any of the scenes Taskmaster's in. So I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Um, but then the more they kept going back to, you killed the little girl. I was like, it's the little girl. It's, um, it's obviously the little girl. And I, um, I feel really bad. I forget that actress's name. Uh, Olga Kulianko. Um, yes. But in the things she has been in, things like Quantum of Solace, when she's given a chance to do an emotional scene, she can act. Yeah. So to have her mutter a few words... It's a waste. I mean, I, I only hope that they let her do the, st- the stunts and maybe that was her actually doing the fighting because otherwise, well, I also what was think, the point in even casting her? Well, I, th- I mean, I think the point in casting her was for more Marvel shit to later, right? Like, she's going to be... <laughs> yeah. Like, if she's been freed from the mind control now, what they've got is a slightly scarred lady taskmaster, taskmaster from like five years ago, six years ago. So they could, she could easily have developed some sort of personality and done something and yeah, then when true. she turns up again later... She's that character, but with, you know, a bit of a personality added. But, yeah, no, I assumed because nobody knew where she was and Luke from The Handmaid's Tale helped her get that van that she was living in and then she immediately got attacked afterwards. I was just all like, oh, well, it's after him because no one else knows where she is, right? Like, yeah. they didn't really explain how, how Taskmaster found her there. But whatever. I, yeah, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not super fussed <laughs> about that. He's a, he's a, she's a spy thing. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah. i got to say, i got to say... This is another thing where, like, some Marvel films love to remind you that the Avengers are the most famous people in the world and they get bothered everywhere they go. <laughs> yeah. But then other times they just want you to forget that. So, for instance, in The Winter Soldier, Steve returning to his house and then being no paparazzi and no fans. And then in this one, she's her just, just getting just, a ferry casually. She's just wondering How did about... she even buy the ticket without being seen? Well, yeah, like... And, like, and, and, like, and they make it makes a point of pointing out that S.H.I.E.L.D. allowed like after her and then she's just like and she doesn't even get a haircut she's just like wandering about all over the place just looking like black widow the thing is i've never been a celebrity so maybe there is some weird truth to the fact that you just put on a cap and hoodie and no one notices you maybe you and i have walked past chris evans several times and not noticed but i really don't buy into this marvel's obsession with just put your hoodie on no one will notice just put your hoodie up and no one will notice you're one of the most famous people on the but planet at least in the other films they put a fucking hoodie on or change the haircut in this one she's literally just wearing a costume from civil war and just like wandering about and she's like there's a bit where her and elena just go to the shop and they're just like buying some some paracetamol and stuff and like and like it's, it felt like I, the, the person behind the counter in the shop, I think, was watching a TV or listening to the radio. And I was yeah. all like, oh, it's one of those scenes where the person goes into the shop and then the people behind the counter see them on TV and then they give them like a bit of a side eye. Yeah. And then they like call somebody. And it just wasn't like everyone. They were just like, they just went and sat 
outside and had like a fucking burrito together in like a big crowd yep. of people and everyone was all like god that sure looks like scarly hansen doesn't it ah well don't, don't worry it's probably not her don't worry about it why would she <laughs> be she's in, for murder or something she, be Budapest? she sure doesn't mention that place a lot like also okay oh thank you for saying that because there was this joke that they think is very funny where her and luke from the handmaid's tale go back and forth over the pronunciation of Budapest. He says Budapest like, you know, 95% of people on earth. She's And she's being hoity-toity and being Budapest. Budapest. Which is fine if you hadn't said the name of that place 10 times in this franchise the way he's saying it. <laughs> the joke doesn't work because you've never said it like that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got to say, the other thing that I noticed, which I thought was, so like, it's like one thing I liked about it um, is that it's a very pleasantly, like the male characters are very supplementary like the bad guys male nominally but the actual villain that they, that she fights all the time is a woman and yeah. rachel vice is much more instrumental in the red room than red guardian is and her and elena are at the center of it and the evil yeah. force is all black widows like the, there's only a few male characters in it and they're all kind of like supporting characters and i quite liked yeah. I, I liked that i thought that was like refreshing in that it was oh, kind of a like born take but with but but focused on women and yeah. um and it's directed by a woman as well. And I thought yeah. that for a film focused mostly on women, directed by a woman, it had some weirdly male gaze bits where like... I'm so glad you said that. There's a moment at the end where um, she has her back to the family. And I'm like, this looks like Joss Whedon directed it. Yeah, it's a very like, weirdly framed scene. Well, and I thought what was interesting as well is that like, there's no like, there's not a lot of isn't Scarlett Johansson's body hot? Like, you very rarely see her from the front looking sexy, and there's no, like, yeah. shots of her legs, but there are, like, five long shots of her butt. Like, yeah. just, like, her walking from place to place and the camera's on her ass, and it was just a bit like... It's, it's one of the like, weird contradictions of the Marvel Universe, because you brought this up a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, there's famously no sex in any of these films. Yeah. But the funny thing about every single film that Black Widow is in is Marvel does those generic character posters, and all of the men are in... I mean, one of the funniest examples is the Winter Soldier because Robert Redford's character is at a desk and he's got an authoritative look to him. He's looking really sternly at the character. Cap is emerging, I think, from the sea and he looks like really he's menacing. He's like fighting. He's got a, he's got a shield. Yeah. He's ready to fight. Yeah, Bucky. Bucky, obviously, we didn't know it's Bucky at the time, but he's looking like, who's this? He's got his gun. He's really cool. And Black Widow has her legs crossed, like push-up bra, like it's the most impractical battle stance yep. you could ever have um it's so weird and as you said like i thought they would have really steered away from that but like even in the films where even in the scenes where she's supposed to be like in deep combat there's the cleavage showing and it's like and, and it when you see it from behind it's like all the curves and and you know we've said it really well, yeah like, and i kind they, of they i just kind of thought that with a female director maybe they would like you know have you seen birds of prey like it's got yes. like, and it's and it's kind of like really not got a male eye on the At way all. that the characters are framed. It's it's funny, you know. So I was talking to a friend about that film a little while ago because I didn't enjoy it, and I really went in wanting to enjoy it, but it just didn't do anything for me. And I was about to open my mouth to be like, this, and she's really not into those type of films. She doesn't really enjoy comic book films, but she loved that. And I was like, what in particular did it for you? And she said, you know what? There's a scene where there's a, they're having a massive fight. And one of the characters for the first half of the film, the, the, the scene, she keeps brushing hair away from her eyes. And then eventually another character takes out a hairband and gives it to her so she can tie her hair back. And she's like, that's a little thing that a guy probably won't notice. But yeah. as a woman, I saw that and I was like, I knew a woman directed this film. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing is that like, like they're 
is there's a very there's a kind of a sparsity of films like i think that it's fine as a, especially as a white guy i think it's fine when i watch a film and i'm all like didn't really feel like it was for me like and i and i and i enjoy them and like i enjoyed birds of prey i enjoyed captain marvel which also kind of in places felt like it wasn't really aimed at me i enjoyed black yeah. panther which even though a lot of black panther i was all like this is not for me but like mm-hmm. i've seen a thousand films that are for me and actually like like I can still appreciate the things I enjoyed about that film and know that like it's working for somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like that's what I kind of whereas with this, it still it felt like they couldn't quite resist having and I mean maybe like in fairness, I don't want to be sexist, like women can also like Scarlett Hansen's butt. Maybe maybe yeah. the, maybe the director they got on set and the director was all like, God damn, maybe we could get some uh, shots of your ass in here because it's yeah it's spectacular. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> but that's the thing because you know if I didn't know anything about it, I'd be like I I'd agree what you just said and to, you know maybe that's what they wanted but she has been very vocal for a long time about she loved working with Favreau and she loved working with Danny Jr. but when she sat at the premiere of the first of the Iron Man 2, she was really disappointed because she trained intensely for that film. And a lot of it is just Tony Stark hitting on her for an hour and a half before she gets one action scene. Well, and also, Um, like, it really reduces her. Like, Scarlett Johansson's a spectacularly talented actress. Like, she has got so much Well, that's another frustrating thing. There are a few moments in here. There's there's a moment when she learns about her birth mother. Yeah. And she crushes that scene. She's so good in that scene. Like, and and that's the thing is that, like, reducing her to, oh, my God, isn't Scully Johansson good looking? It's all like... Yeah, she is. But like, she's also a lot of other things. She's clearly an extremely like physically capable person who can do action scenes. I know she's got stunt double and stuff, but like, she's still doing a lot of that work. And like, a lot of it, yeah. and she's a brilliant character actor. I think she, she and the team nailed it. The Russo brothers absolutely nailed it on Winter Soldier. And I thought it was going to be the start of something amazing for her. Yeah. And they've just not done anything since. And like, in that one film, all this cool mystique and intrigue you were supposed to feel for her that I never really felt at the beginning of her arc. In that one, I think they nailed it. Yeah. You well, know, the it, fact that like a lot of what she does is actually pretending. She's not as confident as she actually yeah. wants to appear. And it's, it's, I mean, obviously they elaborate on that and this, but it's like in a lot of the keeping people at arm's length, that's not a like, I don't care about anyone. It's like, I don't want to care about people because I yeah, lose people that are close to me. Yeah. And like, and that, that stuff works really well in that film. I, the other, the other slightly just weed bit I thought was like, it was that sequence where they were in the helicopter and, and Yelena snapped at Red Guardian and he was all like, what's wrong, girls? Are you on your period? And then she was all like, well, no, actually, I'm not on my period because my genitals were mutilated and my, my womb. And she like described a hysterectomy to him in like, yeah. in like, in like creepy detail. Like, and then, and then like, and then it cuts to that. And she was just like grinning, like, oh, she's sure making him, making him uncomfortable describing a hysterectomy. <laughs> and I was a bit like, wasn't this like the most traumatic experience of your entire well, that, that, life? That ties like, into, once again, that ties into Marvel not allowing a heavy scene to be heavy. Yeah. You know, like they feel that they need to have this choke. And that, the power of that scene to be like, look, I looked at you as a father. And you left me with an organization that did this. Yeah, it doesn't like, matter if I wanted to have kids or didn't want to have kids. I didn't get that choice. It was taken from me and you put me in the hands of those people. And instead of leaving that scene and letting three brilliant actors who could have nailed that, instead it gets turned into a joke and then we it, brush over it. And it's just the most... Like, like when... Um when Age of Ultron came out and she like she's got a really like genuinely quite heartfelt scene in that where she describes the fact that they that they 
that they took her, her womb and ovaries and stuff. Um, but it's like juxtaposed with a bit where she describes herself as a monster. Which this is the thing. I you and know it got what, that so really bad feedback. This is the only the time. time, yeah, because it's the only time I'm ever going to defend Whedon. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. We're not defending him, but that scene is always misinterpreted by people, and I know a lot of people still misinterpret it. It's badly written, which is the problem with it. She's calling herself a monster because she's murdered a bunch of people. But when you put it on the end of a sentence where she says she can't have kids, yep. it sounds like she's saying any woman who can't have kids is a monster. And it's weird and obviously being tone deaf. But like that's... Yeah, but for I the people felt, that are still angry about that scene, that's not what... I felt like that, that was is. kind of misread. Like I felt like the, the backlash against that scene was kind of like not really... I, I felt like it didn't really fit with the intention of the scene. Whereas this was horrific like this yeah. really was all like oh my god people who suffer fgm <laughs> and i was just like how could you possibly like again how did you sit there in the editing bay and look at that sequence and go yeah let's That's leave good. let's leave, leave that. that in like <laughs> yeah. like how did anybody involved in the film like and i know that people who have suffered intense trauma sometimes they deal with that through humor like maybe yeah and like it, that's not what this was this is just marvel thinking we need to sell this to china we need this to be family friendly. It can't we be need too, to make it yeah, like this. It can't be too heavy. And and it was just it, but it was really offensive. Like it was really genuinely and like and the whole rest of the film, I thought tonally dealt with the stuff that she'd suffered in the red room and Elena had suffered relatively well. Do you know what I mean? Like it was the few moments of the film where it was a bit heavier and it was a bit darker. Like the conversations that she had with people a few times were quite heartfelt but that bit just it was it was grim and i can't believe yeah. that they put that in there and just left it there um <laughs> i said i but yeah like I, I thought that um i thought that that was really strange uh, the other thing that i liked when we were doing things that we liked briefly <laughs> um i quite like a compliment sandwich well i quite like that sequence where the masks came back from uh winter soldier and they'd swapped places and it was a bit of a double cross and then she had to break her own nose horribly so that she could like the like the stupid pheromones if you can smell him you can't hurt him thing was a bit weird but especially as they've already established one kind of mind control in this and then they went for another pheromonal mind control for just that one scene um but like but the bit where she was like goading him into punching her in the face over and over again and then like ripping on him for not being strong enough to break her nose and then she was like i guess i'll have to break my nose and then she just like crunched it into the table was like that was classic black widow that was like that was like the version of her that we've seen throughout the whole sequence of films where she's like she 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 plays on the other person's assumptions about her being a weak powerless woman and then she flips it around and makes it clear that she's the one who's been in control all the way through and she's like interrogating them without even realizing that they're in it and i really liked that scene i thought it was and i, I really love the fun. fact that he literally wasn't even strong enough to get the job done she no. did have to finish her she to... he can't even punch her well enough and then she like <laughs> slammed her own face into that table and then afterwards when she'd beaten him she just like popped her own nose back into place yeah and like that again like in a different movie with a different tone that would be an intensely dark scene right like but like but they just handled it and i thought that that rode the line the marvel line where it was like kind of kind of dark su- subject matter but handled in kind of a kind of light way i thought that rode their line really well i thought that, yeah. that whole sequence was really good uh, other than the accents was really really yeah. good like but but there was just yeah it was just like 
it was it was less than the sum of its parts this one i think um and there were lots of bits where i was all like more of that please more of that like please show me more of that and then there were other bits where i was all like i can't believe this scene is still going on they've been fighting in the apartment for five minutes they're obviously going to make up like, like Elena cared enough about her to keep photos of her for her entire life and then send them uh, to That was her. just, wasn't even explained. You obviously goaded her into coming to you and then she gets there and you like try and it slash her with a knife. tries to kill her, yeah. And it's just a bit like, and it's, it's just a bit like, like you've got a deep emotional connection. Like how, also like, you know, I, I, I know that we shouldn't nitpick too much, but like, how do you keep photos when you're in a spy program where they like mutilate you and take your brain away and stuff like, yeah. like where did she stash those photos for all the time where she was under mind control and didn't know who she was? Like, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a one last nit- nitpick as well before we wrap it up. But um, it uh, this film obviously went to the Wolverine school of establishing things because we had to get a scene of the jacket explained why why nat has a new jacket in <laughs> avengers i didn't need to know oh, it's no. not a cool callback it's what, a waste of time i like i mean that. the one thing i the one thing I I, I I didn't like her handing it over what i did like was the initial scene where i mean florence Pugh, it just has to be said she nails every scene in this yeah, like, she is a delight if they want to give her a six film deal i will happily watch it and it doesn't even have to be action films if we just watch black widow goes to the supermarket i'll yeah, be happy be i'll be first in line the scene when she's explaining how cool the jacket is yeah and that it's got several pockets and don't act like you don't like it it got great po- it was so good it was she really was charming good. she was funny her, t- her comic timing she's so good and they played so they played like a great sister vibe there where like nat was laughing because she thought the best was silly but then yeah. but then but then like elena was all like come on admit that you like the vest she was all like it's a lovely vest like and she was like it was so it was so cute and like and i really liked i really liked that like and it was and there was like she had like a little line there where she was like this is the first piece of clothing i've ever chosen for myself and like yeah. and it kind of like reinforced why it meant something to her and when that heard that she kind of switched her demeanor a bit and all of it was really subtle and really well done um i i'm happy for them to go to the x-men origins wolverine school of giving an <laughs> unnecessarily long backstory to the jacket <laughs> I thought that that was kind of. I thought honestly, I was kind of like, I was a bit like, because what what really surprised me was that like she was going on about the jacket and she was being like talking about how good the jacket was, and then she gave Nat the jacket, and I was yeah. all like, is that what she was wearing in Infinity War? Because I don't remember what the fuck she was wearing in Infinity War. At no point when she turned up in Infinity War was I all like, hey, Nat's jacket's slightly different. Yeah, like like no like I, like I like. Uh, there was never a part of me that even noticed that she'd kind of changed her clothes really like all of her clothes are always kind of vaguely functional but slightly sexy spy outfits <laughs> and like yeah and then like and it cuts her at the end in the in her infinity war outfit with the with the jacket on and i was all like oh cute like and i feel like one thing i really thought is that actually i feel like if this film had gone where it goes in the timeline if this had come out between between civil war and infinity war i think i'd love it like I, I think, might have done. I don't know if I'd, I'd love I'd, it, but I'd probably enjoy it more. I think I'd but like think it loads it's, more. It's definitely hurt them more the delay, um, and also like just it, this one side effect of it is um, Julia Louis Dreyfus' character, who obviously is supposed to have been introduced in the post-credit scene. Her arrival in Falcon Winter Soldier would obviously had a lot more impact. Um, you know, it doesn't really work now. I don't see. I don't. I, I don't really see any difference. Though they're both the same scene. She shows up with no real explanation of who she is and says yeah, something true. creepy. Like it, I don't think it matters which way around you put them. Um, but yeah, no. I think that one thing that I would say is that I'm really. It, I felt like it was 
really disappointing that they've finally given that some backstory and personality and humanity and we're never going to see her again like that really that like like they like it felt like it felt like they were kind of rubbing in the fact that they've never given her her own film before yeah because actually like now she's got a cool backstory and she's and she kind of like there was personal growth and 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 emotional development i I really don't know what marvel were playing at because look i love poor rudd but it's insane that there was a full-length Ant-Man film in theaters before Black Widow. Two Ant-Man like, films. It's crazy. Two Ant-Man films. <laughs> yeah, two. Although, in fairness, the second Ant-Man film is kind of like a film about the Wasp, so I'm, I'm more okay yeah. with that. Like, but, but, yeah. like, but it's like they knew there was an audience that was clamoring for this. They knew no other studio had female representation. And you... I mean, yeah, obviously, Wonder Woman is a culture icon, so you don't have to do that much work to introduce her. But they also still had a, uh, a step up, a, st- a leg up on DC in that people already know this character and they love her. And she's an Oscar, I, I don't know if she's an Oscar winner, but she's an Oscar nominated actress several times over, has proved herself. She knows the, phys- the physical stuff. She loves the character. I, I don't know why it took them so long to do it. And by the time it's happened, I just don't care. I don't care. So, Patrick, what are we rating this? Uh, I would give it a solid three stars, six out of ten. Like I think that that's yeah, it's 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 probably upper mid range Marvel for me. Like yeah, I would same. I would say, and and it's like it's not bad, it's not incredible, it's just kind of good. And I and yeah, and I think that that's that's a fair assessment of it. Like like I know that as always we've gone into a lot of like ah that was stupid. Like but <laughs> like I think it has to be said that we are. Sp- Boil with these films. This like, is the this like, is and this is it. I think it, it it suffers from the fact that as as much as we rag on this franchise, which we love with all our hearts, um, there are so many really good films. If in this that film franchise, would, if this had come out when I was fifteen, it would be my favorite. Oh my gosh, film. I would I wouldn't shut up about it. It, it would, would be my favorite film, film in the it, world. You know it I would mean? be like, like when I was a kid, and I actually watched Mortal Kombat ten times over a space of one weekend. I yeah. probably would watch this ridiculously, you know. Um, but it has to compete with with this character. She, she has to compete with Winter Soldier, which is a far superior film, which does a lot of the things this film wants to do much better. So yeah. she's, and it's a victim of the fact they just left it too long. I think the cast should be proud of the performances they put in. I just think they were better than material. I'm excited to see Florence Pugh as Elena again. I, I can't wait. I'm, I, I can't, can't wait. wait for Ex- like I said, especially if they do Thunderbolts. Um, I don't want to ruin Thunderbolts for anyone that listens to this and doesn't know about that team, but they are a superhero team with a dark edge. Um, several different lineups. I think Marvel's going for the lineup that includes her. Um, I, I can't wait to see what they do. I, I, I you know, yeah, I, I, I would, I, I'm really excited to see her again. Um, I'd, I'd happily see Red Guardian again. Like, I'd like for all of the lazy retconning that they're kind of doing to try and desperately cram in more characters. Several of the characters that they crammed in, I was all like, "That well, that was awesome." So, like, yeah. fair enough. Like, and and yeah. Oh, and- also, one thing I'll say, adding to the positives, there were three characters who get de-aged in this, and Marvel. Maybe this was ILM's contribution, but Marvel are getting scarily good at the de-aging. Like, it's insane. Who are the three um, characters? David Harbour and Rachel Vice. Who's the other and, one? And um, General Ross. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, god, yeah. Uh, you know, he was—he was his bit was so stupid that I haven't even paid. The it was so stupid, but like, I—I <laughs> I, I was looking at it on the big screen and thinking, this—they're still—they're still kind of in their infancy with this technology, and in ten years' time, when you know, 
Shang-Chi gets recast and it's Bruce Lee. It's like, <laughs> this is going to be flawless. Like, yeah, and there was like... Props were... to whoever did those visual effects because they are they're just incredible. Yeah, well, I remember watching Civil War and, and that sequence at the start of, uh, of Robert Downey Jr. when he's young. And I remember just sitting there and being all like, oh my God, how is that so good? And you watch That now... was the benchmark for me until um, Guardians Volume 2, Kurt Russell at the beginning... I am convinced they just went and got Kurt Russell in the time machine. Yeah, well, then you watch. He looks insanely good in that. You, what I was going to say is, you watch Civil War now, and the de aging technology, you're all like, yeah, it's fine. Like, but it's not as good as it. Like, and I think that that's kind of like when I saw that, I was convinced that they'd had to find footage of Robert Downey Jr. when he was younger. And like yeah. now, I look at it and I'm all like, yeah, it's good, but like, you know, you can see that it's CG because I've seen even better de aging CG. Yeah like it really i think it, the marvel films use of it really hammers home how bad it was in rogue one do you know what i mean like <laughs> and and in the mandalorian but yeah no i think yeah i think that i think it's a it's a it's a six out of ten I'd, I'd i'd recommend that people watch it if people like marvel films i would i would go like i'm not sad that i saw it do you know what i mean yeah no, um, no. but it's not like you know kicking kicking up the, up at the top end of the of the scale so, um, so listeners, um, I mean, if you're anything like us, I'm going to say don't watch it, but you're probably going to watch it anyway. <laughs> so just remember that I warned you. Um, so we're starting a new segment, which I call what's really good. Um, and that is where we catch up over what we've been into this week, whether that's brand new comic books, TV shows or video games. Um, so this is what's really good. Um, so me and Beth have been watching hundreds of films we've watched like 50 films in the last month i think uh so yeah we've watched a couple of other movies uh notable ones we watched moxie the other day it's a netflix film uh it's amy foler um and she it's like a it's like a teen kind of high school movie with a hard feminist slant um and it was fucking spectacular it was brilliant like the performances were excellent it was really funny it was charming and yeah i'd like i could not recommend it more like i i'm not going to do any spoiling but like i'd like my only problem with that film was that i kind of wish it was a bit longer because i wanted to see more of some of the characters who were like supporting characters but yeah like i would like moxie is it's it's right up there with one of the best films i've seen recently um nice we watched trial by fire which was a, a movie about like about a guy who was on death row because people thought he burned his children to death um that sounds very upbeat it was <laughs> oh my god it was like it was one of those films where it ended and i was all like there's no hope for humanity like there's no <laughs> we're not we're not gonna make it like not if, not if this is the kind of people we are um wow. it was it had laura dern in it and uh cook she's from, always good and cook from skins who was like doing a southern accent to the point where i just had no idea who it was like the whole way through the film i was all like i feel like i know that guy's face like and then i went on imdb at the end and was like no way like literally i've seen him in a few things and yeah he's, yeah he's, he's really good yeah. like he was really yeah. really good i mean in fence the cast of skins have all done relatively well haven't they yes they have, like yeah, so. like that was a launch pad for a lot of like like i always forget the dev patel was in it um yeah there's like four bafta winners in that yeah cast, like so. so so like but so i'm not surprised that he's an excellent actor who's, who's had a good career but yeah it was very sad and very kind of upsetting in a variety of ways but it was a very good film good performances well written well really well paced like there was no point at which i was like 
like was losing interest no point at which anything dragged no point at which they skipped over anything too fast it like it really it really yeah they really kind of paced it out really really well i really enjoyed it um and that is were they were both those titles on netflix yes we watched both of them on netflix yeah um Fantastic. So and, check those out on netflix if you have it uh yeah and the other thing that we've watched this week which i wanted to mention is uh palmer have you seen that it's an i've heard of it i haven't seen it it's an apple original movie uh with is just, that justin timberlake it is justin timberlake yes yeah. um and a small child um <laughs> and good? uh juno temples in it it was good it wasn't like it didn't change my life you know what i mean like but it was it was it kind of it did the old tough man meets somebody who kind of softens them up a bit um yeah <laughs> but it was a good rendition of that story and uh like the kid who he kind of befriends in it has got kind of a like the kid just likes he just likes princesses and stuff that's for girls and it makes all yeah. the manly men in his in his american town feel deeply uncomfortable <laughs> but the kid's just like super confident is all i so i am so you know whatever. um nice. and that element of it with him kind of softening up to that was really cute i really liked that um and justin timberlake was good he was he he's was pretty, he was I, he's pretty good i mean he's fantastic in the social network and um he does the best he can with in time which is it's not a good film and that's not his fault um but yeah i've always liked him and there's like there's one sequence where like they're having a little sing or something and he's supposed to be this like this like guy who got sent to prison, who's like had a really difficult life. He was like a football star, but then things went wrong for him. And like, and he just sings just for a second with the kid and his voice is beautiful. And I was a bit like, yeah. I'm not sure I buy that that dude would have such an unbelievably beautiful voice. Yeah. Like, but, but no, it was, it was good. And it's like, it's a, it's a new film that came out over the last uh, couple of weeks. And so I thought it was worth mentioning. Give it a watch when you get the chance when your Apple TV's back. But yeah, like yeah, I'll check it out. yeah. I, in fairness, all three of those movies I would recommend. But Moxie was the best of them, and it's a Netflix Sweet. original, so it's available for all the people who have Netflix. But yeah, no, I thought they were all good. What have you been watching? Um, so it Disney Plus is going to be different wherever you are in the world listening to this. But in the UK, uh, we have Star, which just allows allows us to watch all the Fox properties that um, Disney now owns. Um, and so I heard a lot about Snowfall. I even heard comparisons to The Wire. Um, and Snowfall, for those that don't know, is um, created by the late, great John Singleton and is about the crack epidemic in the 80s. And we follow a particular gang in L.A. who are on the rise. And you it's, it's not like The Wire in that it's 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 you don't see both sides of it. It, it Primarily, they are the protagonists yeah. and they're who you're supposed to be. Uh, following you do see some of the cops and there are cops who even have personal relationships with the characters but it is you know for the most part the protagonists are the drug dealers um stars damson idris who's another one of these uk actors who just does such a good um, american accent that you'll just be baffled when you hear yeah. a, an interview with him um it's gorgeously shot it has an incredible cast of people who are like character actors you'd know from other shows so for instance i forget the character's name but jesse's second girlfriend in breaking bad she she turns up in this um, and, um not jessica jones the other one or the one after jessica jones yeah no i've not watched who's, that much. who's got like a kid brother i've yeah, not watched so that she's much breaking it. bad <laughs> oh, okay well she's in it there's there's people that you'd know from other things you'll, you, you'll kind of be like what's their name but you know them from things and everyone puts in a great performance um the problem i have with it and it's a great show i don't want to like discourage anyone from watching i do i do enjoy it i have two problems one is that Damson Idris, he's amazing in this role. 
his character is just a piece of shit. So when you're watching him for three seasons, it's like, am I supposed to root for this guy? Because he has no redeeming qualities. Like even a Stringer Bell or a Barksdale or Omar, they do despicable things, but there is a humanity in them. There is, and especially with their surroundings, you know, you don't want to make excuses for drug dealers or killers or thieves, but their environment almost forces them into a certain path. Yeah, I think a lot of what the wire is about is people like living in their circumstances people who like in under like i think that like bodie's my favorite wire character because like you really get the idea as it goes on that in just slightly different circumstances he could have been a really different person and yeah. i think that that's kind of what the wire does really well right? exactly like, and and this never really makes an argument for it in fact you you're led to believe that the lead character franklin saint is a bit of a genius and could have kind of gotten to any university he wanted to. <laughs> he chose to be a drug dealer. He just chose to be. Well, he, 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 you get this. They they try to brush it off with basically that like he's enough. He he's he's smart enough and world weary enough that he knows that even a genius in eighties America would still be a black man. Yeah. So how far would he really do? How far would he really climb up a ladder? How how well would he really do? What job opportunities could he get? It makes more sense for someone that has the smarts he has to apply them in the drug trade, which fair enough. Fair, yeah. But once again, it doesn't really give him any redeeming qualities. So that's the first problem I have. The second problem I have, a lot of shows do. Like, so, you know, if we break down drama to the most basic form, it's protagonist has a problem. Can they overcome the problem? They yep. usually do because we need to see them next week. But the good dramas, something like The Wire, will find a way to do that in an intriguing and unpredictable way. Yeah. There's a joke that's made about um, Entourage a lot, which is that Entourage is the most basic form of that. Do we have a problem? Yeah, we sold it. In fact, we're better off than we were before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and uh, Snowfall is a lot of that. So I enjoy it because the performances are great. It's well shot. It's well directed. But I don't ever buy the tension mm. in the scenes. There's a scene where a character is jumped in one episode and... It's kind of presented as a problem until about five minutes later when a friend of his says, turn it to your advantage. Go back out there and punch someone and show them you're not afraid of anyone. And then he does punch the person. And the next thing you know, he's the guy that survived the jumping and now he's harder than ever. It's like, there is, there's all the, you know what I mean? Every time there's an issue, it's not really an issue. And by episode's end, they've either overcome it or used it to their advantage. And so when the characters are just never really in peril, it doesn't do anything for me. So I'm going to watch it. I think the, the final season is going to air soon and I'll watch it because I am now invested and I want to know what happens to these characters sure. and I do like the performances. But there has never been a moment where someone has, has a gun to their head and I think the person on the end is going to pull the trigger. And yeah. for me, that's a problem. You know, yeah. even in The Sopranos, where obviously it's built around Tony in his day-to-day -day life, there were several times when... I worried for that character and I feared that he wouldn't overcome conspiracies yeah, no. or situations that rose up against him. I don't have that in, in Snowfall. No, I absolutely... There were, there were plenty of points in The Sopranos where I was all like, they're not going to kill him, are they? And I genuinely yeah. believed that they might just kill him off and, and replace him with a different protagonist. And like, I think that that's a real art, really, like, is yeah. getting that down. And again, like one of the things with The Wire is that like there's a very strong sense there that nobody's safe. Like... Yeah, the, the, and and that's, I think I think the the best shows have that the Wire, Sopranos, 
Breaking Bad, I mean, when you'll see when you get there later on, they, they really crank that up. And obviously, most famously, Game, Game of Thrones. Yeah, the earliest Game of Thrones' whole Thrones. thing is like, yeah, Game of Thrones' whole thing is like, don't fall in love with anyone because anyone can die. Well, um, I also, I feel like it's become a really, like, obviously, Game of Thrones is a bad ending. It's sad, blah, blah, blah. But I think that now people kind of forget that the first four seasons of that are incredible television like they are absolutely fantastic like and they tell a relatively decent story arc for quite a lot of the characters like you could watch the first four seasons of game of thrones and just stop and you'd have a relatively jamie alone jamie alone is such a satisfying yeah character study and oh man i I don't i don't want to get upset i don't want to talk about that show but (laughs) yeah and i think that's the thing when you we're now in that age you've, you've hit the nail on the head when you've got that kind of tv to compare it to Snowfall is good, um, but it it falls just short of what it could be. Yeah, you know? when it, like something like you know, but, but you you earlier on kind of laughed at me saying that uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad could be a masterpiece, <laughs> and you were comparing it to things that are in the you know zeitgeist as masterpieces. But Watchmen is not just a great comic book TV show; it's a great TV show. It's as good as any other drama, yeah. I need. Um, I keep meaning to get around to that. It's, it's really, really good. Isn't it Damon um, Lindelof? I always. It's really good. Whenever I it's see his really name good. on things, I'm always all like, "I remember Lost Man. I don't fucking trust you." No, like... it's it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> okay. Um, Fair enough. No, I was, I was really impressed. And I mean, you know what the thing is? It um it speaks to kind of a problem I would have with some of the Marvel films. I said earlier on that, like, yeah, if you're gonna do the grounded thing, do the grounded thing. But if you're going to say this guy wears a cape and holds a hammer and, you know, lives in this world full of Shakespearean gods, lean into that wackiness. Yeah, and Watchmen has some moments where it actually juxtaposes those things really well. You have an FBI agent who has just done a really grounded interrogation and then a superhero in like head to toe spandex runs past her and she's like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it acknowledges. I mean, that was part of Alan Moore's, you know, thought behind the original text anyway is that like it's insane it's insane that as children we want to be these people who are obviously deeply troubled yeah and wearing these insane costumes and the tv show leans into that really heavily i hope it gets a second season but even if it doesn't if you haven't watched it watch it, it yeah it will it's do such such a good show uh, um, um yeah i wish so i yeah, had some that's... games to talk about like i wish i i've just i'm just playing apex so i've got no real like no real like like you st- i'm still shooting people so i think we're gonna wrap it up there yep but... Patrick, I am going to propose something I want you to think of for our next uh, episode. So essentially, we've been talking about Marvel and what they could do and how they could be different. And I was having a conversation with someone earlier, and it basically stemmed from the missed opportunity with Edgar Wright having to walk away from Ant-Man. Sure. And, you know, how amazing that could be. That film could potentially have been another Scott Pilgrim, you know, with his with that, with that their budget. Yeah. And so I would love to hear you pitch your dream it could be marvel it could be dc your dream comic book movie and oh. the dream director slash writer oh my god yeah say. oh god like i've so got so have many a think because yeah i've got a few i've got a few as well um maybe we'll do like two each um but have a think and yeah we'll do that next episode yeah i'm so um, into that <laughs> cool um and quickly before we leave I'm going to get some loki theories because if we're both right i want i went on the record that we said this so what are your theories for the loki Oh, what like who's behind the big cgi cloud uh yeah I, I assume we'll cover episodes three four and five of loki at some point maybe we'll just do the last like this the second half of the series altogether once we've watched the finale um i think that the big cgi cloud is hiding another loki 
I like I, I've I've seen a lot of theories online about it being somebody interesting, but you know I got quite invested in the theories about One Division having an interesting ending, and then it didn't. Um, so <laughs> like like I don't think I don't think they're going to go. Hey, here's a fucking weird comic book character that no one's ever heard of. I just don't see yeah, them doing that in the last game. episode. Yeah. Like I like maybe they will, maybe they'll surprise me here, but I don't see that. I think that with the themes of the show having been heavily based around Loki confronting aspects of his personality through alternate versions of himself and with the kind of journey he's been on which has kind of hinted repeatedly at the idea that like we're registering around even said it i think like that if a good loki if a loki tries to be a good person they kind of they get pruned and cut away i think that the only logical villain for the end is the worst possible loki a loki who leaned hard into being bad and who won and who got his glorious purpose and who became what they've been trying to be and it will confront our loki with the reality of what would have happened to him had he been that and that will be what reinforces for him that he doesn't want to be that and makes him into the alternate version the good version um I really, really hope they took the alligator with them. I know that it looked like they didn't, but like, I really, like, in fairness, if they said to me, oh no, we've fallen through a portal and now all Marvel films are alligator based, I would be so on board. Like, I really loved how they kept cutting to him. Like, Fly from Futurama, take my money now, gif. Yeah. Like, they kept on cutting to the alligator like it was going to speak and they would just cut away. Like, and I thought that was so funny. Like, I really, like, really yeah. enjoyed that. I loved, there was a scene when, when President Loki was like, why is there an alligator? And everyone just turned around, he's a Loki! Of course he's a Loki, <laughs> look at him. Like, like, I really want some answers about the world he came from. Is it a world where Odin adopted an alligator? Or is it a world where everybody is alligators? Is there a little, like, is there a little, like, alligator Captain America out there? Or maybe, I'm like... wondering if it was loki trying a spell he'd never tried before and then he couldn't reverse it and now he's just an alligator oh, no i don't want that i want i want alligator <laughs> spider-man like that's like i genuinely i want a little winter whilst, alligator whilst we're on the subject of whilst we're on the subject of i what has been my favorite episode of the show so far props to whoever did the set design and and incorporated i don't know if you spotted them but there are a ton of really good easter eggs in the episode yes including yeah thanos, thanos's helicopter yeah um who's thor who's the frog version of thor um just a ton of really cool like wow how did you get that in there so props to them and uh the biggest of props to richard e grant who i knew was going to nail it but just absolutely nailed it yeah and looked like he was having the time of his life yeah that, he was so good in that. Well, when you talk about leading into the silliness of comic book stuff like he really did like he was really going yes. going full in on being even in the more serious film more serious scenes i felt like he was trying not to grin like an eight-year-old yeah. he was having the time of his life and it shone through um i have one negative aspect that's of the episode and it replies to all marvel films because they all do this and it applies to several big budget hollywood films stop doing that thing where a character says something, there is a slight pause, and then everyone bursts into laughter. It doesn't work anymore because we've seen it a thousand times. We all know everyone's gonna laugh. You, you know, you know the one. Everyone's like, the guy's like, we need to do this. Rise to action. Who's with me? Pause for a beat. Ha 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 ha. I'm tired of it. I don't want to see it anymore. Stop doing it. It doesn't work. It's a bit like someone saying, I'm not coming with you. 
edit the person who's coming with the person. Stop it. Mm-hmm. We've seen a thousand times, Marvel, you're better than this. Richard E. Grant, you're better than that. So do you think it's Kang behind the CGI curtain then? I would love it to be Kang, but you, it's not Kang. You don't <laughs> introduce new aspects. Uh, I mean, I would be very... We, we said this off, off air, but I just think they've shown they're trying very hard to get casual fans into these things and i don't think kang is a concept you can drop in a 45 minute episode no. and expect people to understand it would be great for them to prep for the movies for th- like this i think it's going to be like you said most probably low-key i've seen a lot of people say it's, it's going to be miss minutes and i would kind of love if the weird sentient clock is an evil person um i do slightly suspect that um oh why have i forgotten her name the the head honcho of the tva Renslayer. I believe it's a variant of Renslayer. Oh, okay. I could see um, that. I think that um, one thing that I read online, which was like, I'd like, I feel like they've been, they basically think that they can't put anything too important in the shows because they need to, it needs to be understandable. It needs to be explainable in a line or two when the next movie comes out, if these characters are in it. Um, and like somebody online had been like, there's like you know it's a huge audience for a streaming service and then somebody had replied and been all like in the first week 2.5 million people watched the loki premiere in the first two days 100 million people saw endgame like no matter how big the audience of disney plus is it's nothing like the audience that marvel are working with and i think you can't assume any knowledge from that fractional kind of percentage of audience Um, this is it at the end of one division she ended up with She's broadly in the same place. Vision's dead. She's sad. There's, she's got a yeah. few new friends slash enemies out there. You know, Monica's probably her friend. White Vision's probably her friend, but might be her enemy. <laughs> Agatha's probably her enemy, but might be her friend. She's got slightly improved powers and a new costume. At the end of yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier, Sam's in basically the same place. He's taken on the mantle of Captain America. You don't know. Doesn't need. You don't need to know that there was any sort of thought about that along the way yeah he's got some new friends he's got some new enemies he's got a new costume like so my prediction would be that at the end of this loki will be broadly in the same place he was before displaced from time without anywhere to really go with like looking for a home he'll have some new friends some new enemies and an, a new costume would be my guess yeah. um <laughs> i mean yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying it but yeah like you said i i think and maybe this is me being very idealistic. I think the one advantage this has over any of the things they've done so far is that because of the nature of this version of the character, there is still a risk. There are still stakes. He yeah, could he be, could just die. Like, and then and it, would, and it would have no bearing on the main MCU. We could this never see him in the films again. Like, it's not yeah. like with Wonder and Sam, where we know they're coming back. Like, exactly. I so I think there's, as a viewer, there are some stakes there, and it does feel like there could be some tension. Um, and creatively, I, as we've seen, you can go all over with it. I they're do, not really going to go all over with yeah, it. Yeah, and I do think <laughs> um, that realistically. There's, I, I think personally, there's no way that this version of Loki is not going to end up back in the main MCU mm. and meet Thor. Like, I think that I think that they want I, him. Because yeah, I, I think, yeah, obviously him being such good friends with Mobius, if if it ends where I think it's going to end, where Mobius gets a promotion and is in charge of things, he'll maybe bend the rules so his old friend yeah. can go back to his yeah. Nexus event. And, you know, it's he's I, I think yeah. they want Loki in, in Thor 4 more Thor. Um, and, yeah. and so and they've and so they're trying to establish a way to get him in there but i might be wrong maybe they want him in a different 
upcoming Marvel. Maybe they want them in Eternals or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I think that I think that this Loki will end up back in our MCU because, like, yeah. I feel like that's kind of the point. Do you know what I mean? Like again, like them, like them realizing that they've got no kind of supporting cast for Black Widow to promote. I feel like somewhere along the way, one of them was sort of like, I mean, how many films has Hiddleston got left in his contract? Some. Oh, why? Oh yeah. But no, I feel like Marvel have been all like some, and we've and we've killed him. Uh, we could have <laughs> we could have him in like flashbacks and stuff. But then somebody's turned around and gone, if if there's any legal way we could force him to be Loki in more movies, we should because he's great. Um, yeah. And so that's he has. I mean. We've said it every week. We apologize to people who listen to every single episode. He's so good in this. He's, he's so, so good. good. Like he's, he's yeah, he's really charming and funny. I really like Sylvie as well. Uh, I, I was going to say I hope that Sylvie stays on in some capacity. I don't know what you do. I mean, maybe she opens up a world for other Asgard adventures, or maybe she friend. follows him back to Midgard. <laughs> um, Midgard, but um, I I love. I think she's really good. I, I when I first saw her, I think the comic book nerd in me went, "That's not Lady Loki." Because she didn't have um, black hair like they usually do. <laughs> black um, but but she's a fantastic actress. They have really good chemistry. Um, they've really struck that balance between keeping her kind of mysterious and lo- not letting us know what really happened with her. But then also she is revealing enough of herself for you to get a sense of her character and what her motivations are. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I, I like what they've done with her. It'd be a shame if she just kind of disappears after this. But like you said, Marvel is being very careful with balancing the movies and the TV show. So who knows who's going to end up where after this? Yeah. Cool. Wow. Cool. Well, thank you once again for listening, everyone. Um, As I've said before, please keep liking, please keep sharing, please keep giving us feedback and recommending. Um, Next week, as I said, we will pitch our perfect comic book movies with our perfect creative teams. Oh, I've got Um, some stuff. (laughs) I've got some, I've got some. I've got a few things as well. Um, I've, got some ideas for guests i just need to figure out the technical aspects for patrick and i to be able to speak to them but um a couple of comic book journalists and friends from other podcasts um whilst i'm here i want to shout out black british geeks fantastic podcast you should check them out if you get a chance they talk about a lot of similar things that we do a lot of different things um really recommend that um, but thank you thank you to everyone that's giving us feedback thank you to everyone that's listening please keep telling your friends